major sport has their special event. The NFL has the Super Bowl. Major League Baseball has the World Series. The World Wrestling Federation has WrestleMania. WrestleMania is the biggest show by the biggest company in the entire world for sports entertainment. To a lot of fans, it's bigger than a Super Bowl. To me, it's certainly bigger than a Super Bowl. WrestleMania is called the granddaddy of them all. And you stand on the grandest stage of them all. It's that time of year when you're on the card at WrestleMania that you stand before millions of people and you stand before your peers and it lets people know that you mean something. That's the ultimate dream is that bell rings and you're standing across the ring looking at another guy and you guys are the main event at the biggest event that there is. It couldn't mean anymore. Having that spot means everything to me. WrestleMania 3 was the greatest moment of my life. 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome. And I got Andre the Giant over my head and I body slammed him. The wrestling world stood in awe. WrestleMania, it's fever, man. There's really that X factor and intangible I can't explain. You just have to feel it. It's pressure, but it's that good kind of pressure. That's an adrenaline rush every single time I step through that curtain. This is the showcase of the immortals. It's a time to shine and to take that spotlight and make it mean something. Eight months of my life was spent in, in a rehab facility, going through a lot of pain and, and hard times, all with one goal in mind, once again, getting a shot to be WWF champion, once again, having the opportunity to get in the ring and, and go to WrestleMania. This is my comeback WrestleMania. This WrestleMania, WrestleMania 18, will be the biggest WrestleMania in my entire career. Tonight, on the biggest stage of all time, this is my biggest chance to make my mark in history and to be remembered and acknowledged as one of the greatest. I'm here because I want to prove that Hulk Hogan is the Babe Ruth of the WWF and I don't want anybody else to take that spot. This match, a matchup of this magnitude, the enormity of this match uh, means so much and it would be a torch passed on to me and letting me know it's your turn, it's your time, you're the best. WrestleMania is undeniably the most magnificent. It's the biggest pedestal to be put on. It's my biggest dream, and now it's my biggest reality. God, there's no feeling that can be like that in the world. It's nothing but 100% pure adrenaline. That's what the memories of WrestleMania are made of for me. Review Mania, the wrestling podcast of wrestling. Woohoo! And we're welcome by the the bird. Yeah, we're, we're Zach's here. Uh, his demonic bird is also here, and a dog. I, I, and I have a dog here. Um, I should I should note that the bird actually is not mine. <laughs> I guess I I actually do not like birds. Disown it. No, it's it's not my bird. Oh no, I I know, I know. Oh, so now it's quiet. Hooray! We'll see for how long. Yes. So, um, yes. Welcome to our low low rent wrestling podcast. Um, Review Mania. Low rent. We are we are tier. We're at least middle tier. Uh, Yes. So we are we are up to WrestleMania eighteen. 
We're more than halfway there. We are. Although, God, after watching this year, I'm just like, I, I have to review this eventually. Oh, God, kill me. Well, I did recommend last year that we talk about WrestleMania 34 after it happened. Yeah, I know, but I feel like you can do it justice. True. We had to let it sit for a while. Yes. And now WrestleMania 35 was like nine hours long. Oh, man. Anyway, we are up to 2002. Um, A lot has happened since WrestleMania 17. The Aust- invasion. The, uh, yeah, say Austin turned heel. Uh, Triple H was severely, severely injured about three weeks after WrestleMania. Um, was it me? Was it three weeks or was it even first? No, it was later than that. No, they, it was a couple months after WrestleMania. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because they formed the two-man power trip, which was really weird. Heel Austin and Heel Triple H as this tag team beating the shit out of the Hardy Boys with chairs and Lita. And what was even weirder was that Triple H decided to uh, go down the card and get the Intercontinental Championship. (laughs) The real heel. Taking all the belts. But yeah, so... Sorry, go ahead. Well, they they basically did. The only one they didn't have was the European title. Yeah, no. I wouldn't have done it. You probably would have did it. I wonder who would have held or would have... I don't know if Austin's ever held the European title. I don't think he had. Hmm. I don't know. I don't recall. I thought it was... He had the feud with The Rock over the Intercontinental Championship, and that's about it. And then he was the world champion. I know he's right. had the tag title a few times, but... Never the yeah I don't think he's ever hit them. I mean I don't know I so that would have been interesting Austin Austin three belts there you go I'm the triple crown champion <laughs> give me my small cowboy hat yes <laughs> so yeah so that happened so Triple H was severely injured uh, in an awesome awesome match that no one ever talks about now because it featured Chris Benoit but uh, he. Tore his quad. And it was so bad, uh, he was out for almost the entire year. And Yeah, he was. And the other thing was, uh, a lot of people don't necessarily talk about this either. Uh, he, um, he tore his quad doing a lariat. And he then afterwards had Chris Jericho put him in the walls of Jericho. Yes. On an announce table, which must have hurt. Oh, God. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. He finished the match, and that's what he's really known for is, ah, he finished the match. So amazing. It had to be helped backstage by Earl Hebner. So, the other thing that was occurring after WrestleMania, uh, Tough Enough, this reality Ooh. show with, uh, basically, you get to send your tryout tape in, and they picked, what was it, 10 people? Something like yeah, that. I think it was ten people, and they had a week. They had a reality show with the top man, the top woman, getting a WWE contract worth two hundred. What was it? Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think it was two hundred fifty thousand dollars for the first three seasons. The thing was that it was supposed to be one man, one woman, and really, it only happened in the. Uh, first season that that happened yeah so this was coming off the first about a year after after that 
Um, you'll see him. We'll talk about him here. Maven Huffman won as the male champion. He was a former elementary school teacher. And then Nidia, we don't see yet. She's still down in OVW learning. But uh, She didn't last long, to be honest. I really liked her gimmick, though, of the trailer park trash with Jamie Noble. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, and then, obviously, like you mentioned at the top, we had the invasion angle that basically uh, was the entire summer. So And it was horribly handled. Yes. So the WCW-ECW invasion occurred. It dominated the entire year of 2001 with an ending at Survivor Series with the WWF winning it all. When Vince McMahon literally just came out and said, I'm sick and tired of this alliance invasion crap. At at Survivor Series, it's winner take all, and unfortunately, the all the ECW and WCW wrestlers were just the uh, you know no name jobbers that came over. So we didn't get the likes of Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Kevin Nash yet. So right, but here's the thing. We did, there were a few named people there. There was DDP. DDP, there was Booker T. Booker T. There was Chris Canyon. Yep. Um, so there was a few people of note there. And then on the ECW side, there was quite a few more people. Taz, Raven, those guys. Rob Van Dam, yeah. But here's the thing. The day after Survivor Series, who showed up? Ric Flair. Yes. <laughs> so... If they had waited even a little while longer, because as we'll talk about in this very podcast, all the key players, for the most part, are here. Or, if they're not here yet, they're going to debut yes, the next very, day. Yes, very, very soon, yes. All <sighs> right. So, yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah, the invasion came and went. Uh, horribly, 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 horribly mismanaged. I remember being 16 at the time, and Invasion was my first pay-per-view that I ever bought with my own money. And I had a little party for people. I remember I went to Costco and got a big, big thing of queso dip. (laughs) Came in a can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I did all the whole thing Rue Mountain Dew A little smorgasbord And oh, Invasion was so cool And then it all just fell apart But uh, yeah So now up to this point All the remaining WCW and ECW wrestlers They're just normal WWF performers They're on the active roster There's no more talk of WCW They're just, they're just there Um in December, uh, the ECW and WWF titles that were two separate belts being fought over during the invasion with Rock WWF stars like The Rock winning the WCW championship or Stone Cold winning it or whatever. And Kurt Chris Angle. Jericho. Yep. Chris Jericho won. They had the, the Vengeance pay-per-view, the Undisputed Champion where the four-man tournament, it was The Rock, Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, and shit, I can't remember who else. Someone else. 
Taker. That's what it was. And he became the world. He became the champion. He became the first ever undisputed champion, which was huge. I remember. He'll tell you about it to this very day. He will. He will. But uh, they still hadn't come up with a belt. He was still carrying around two belts. Chris Jericho actually wrote about this in his second book, where he said that he was rip shit because he had to carry around these two belts for months and then like a couple weeks after triple h wins the belt they give him a shiny new belt (laughs) yeah jesus so the other stuff going on was you know uh the february paper so yeah like you said rick flair showed up the night after the invasion rick flair uh, comes in and says, I own 50% of the WWF. We're partners. We're partners. And Vince grabs his ear like he's like he's beside himself. It's awesome. It's and awesome like visual. Ric Flair like kisses him. Yes. <laughs> so, and Vince McMahon goes, I'm sick of this. I'm going to inject some poison. And he, bring, he brings in Hulk Hogan Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, they reform the NWO and they're supposed to, you know, ruin the WWF just like they did and they, they ruined WCW. And, well, it doesn't really work out that well. But... No, I mean, the premise, the premise itself is also kind of ridiculous because when it was just Hogan, Hall, and Nash, the NWO was really cool. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. I remember watching back then. Um, yeah, I agree. agree. They at least kept people out of it. Um. For a time being. Yeah. Well, they reformed it later in like 2003. Well, Um, no, they, they basically Hogan left and then. Oh, that's right. Got fired. And then they started bringing other people in like X-Pac. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, who wasn't wrestling quite again, again quite yet, but my favorite, Booker T. Yes, and Booker T at this point was also like getting really, really upset with uh, Shawn Michaels. So there's actually a clip that I really like where um, Booker T sings his name to Shawn Michaels' uh, theme song. I'm just a Booker man, Booker man. I'm not yes. your sucker, sucker. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so essentially, WrestleMania is set up as icon versus legend. We've got Hulk Hogan, the legend, and The Rock, the icon, and basically they kind of played off as like this passing of the torch. The future, the 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 past meets the present. And, man, this build was so stupid. I'm going to hit you with a truck, brother. I'm going to hit you with this hammer, brother. And then I'm going to run you over on a semi. So, I'm going to yeah. whip you with my belt, brother. Yes. Which just is awful. And now with the optics. Yes. Um, so, Hulk Hogan went after The Rock. Uh, said it was bad at one point. The Rock was beaten down. He's put into an ambulance. Where Hulk Hogan drove a fucking semi-truck into The Rock. And then Rock came out the next week with no no problem. Well, he's The Rock. He has a healing factor just like Wolverine. Yes. 
And then Steve Austin got to face Scott Hall and probably the best feud uh, ever. Booker T versus Edge fighting over the rights to a shampoo commercial. Sorry, a Japanese shampoo commercial. Yes. And one of my favorite. It's a Japanese one. Yes. Um, One of my favorite all time promos, which I will play for us now. All right. So this is like my favorite and only thing I remember from this. Whole freaking be- feud between Booker T and Edge. But I want your advice on this because you know. Check it out. He's talking to Tajiri and Tori Wilson. Yo, Japanese people, what's the deal with your nasty hair? Just because you know kung fu, doesn't mean you know shampoo. But that's all about to change thanks to new Yakamoshi shampoo. It won't make your hair look as good as mine. But you gotta start somewhere. How you like that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have that. He says uh, it's very offensive. Very offensive? Hey, I wrote this myself. You ask that sucker what's wrong with it. What's wrong with it? Uh, he wants to know why you make fun of his people's hair when when your hair looks like bad wheat on crack. You didn't say that. Tell me, you didn't just say that. You know what? I don't know why I asked your advice anyway, sucker. That's like the only thing I remember. Okay, so that also ages rather poorly. Yes, I agree. But I just remember, yo, Japanese people. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I remember. Oh, yes, that ages horribly. Horribly. But yeah, so... Do you want to hear Edge's? No. Okay. I don't. (sighs) Because Edge got to do a lot of neat things in his career. As as Stephen Larson often liked to say, but Edge also got to do a lot of kind of creepy shit too. That is true. Well, should we get into it? Let's get into it. All We're right. going to Bizarro Land. We are. We are going to Toronto, Canada. The, the last international WrestleMania. Yep. Have you been to Toronto? I haven't been to Toronto it, myself. I've been to Montreal. Uh, I've been to Canada, but not to Toronto. I fucking loved Toronto. I was there for 14 days working. I got to travel all around the country in Canada. Uh, sadly, only in Ottawa. Prefer- only in the Ontario region. We got to go to Ottawa. Go see stuff there, too. That was cool. But I fucking got to stay across the street from the Sky Dome uh, and the ACC. You mean the, the Silver Dome? Yes, I'm oh, sorry, the Silver Dome. Um, <laughs> the hotel I stayed at had a doorman, and I wore my Bullet Club shirt Saturday night. I walked up, and the guy too sweeted me as I walked out the door. 
And my coworker was like, what the fuck just happened? What? Why did you guys do that thing and yell too sweet at each other? Too sweet. And he's like, I'm like, it's a wrestling thing. He's like, okay, I'm not going to ask. And then I was walking down the street and more people would too sweet me. It was awesome. Um, and just Toronto itself was amazing. It was awesome. It was fun. It was awesome as shit. Uh, if you ever get to go, go. Um, okay. My favorite thing was we were walking around in the university area and I was cold. So I bought a hoodie for 20 bucks and it's got the University of Toronto logo and it says University of Toronto since, you know, whatever. And we keep walking a couple more blocks and we end up in the China district of of Toronto. And my coworker goes, hey, I found the hoodie I want. And the thing says, quote unquote, high quality hoodie, five dollars. <laughs> I think you got the better deal. Nah, I think you got the better deal. But yeah, it was awesome. And then um, we were walk- randomly walking around. We found an old, uh, like a GameStop like place. But they had a bunch mm-hmm. of retro shit. They had Famicom cards and like all kinds of cool shit. That's cool. And then we randomly walked into a VR cafe. It was just a brick building with a game poster on it. And we're like, what's this place? And I played VR for the first time. It was amazing. It was fun. I love Toronto. It was great. Yeah, Toronto's a cool place. Yes. Sorry, I'm going to reminisce about my time in Toronto. It, I just had a blast. No, it's, um, it's cool. It's cool. But our commentators are our old buddies. Yeah, they're back. No more Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman isn't even on the show. No more Paul Heyman. No, I'm sad. Oh. I was bummed about that. It's like, damn. This is not WCW. This is not... WWE. E C can W. Yeah. Um, yes, King is back. He came back the night after the invasion. So hmm. Paul Hammond's off TV. He kicked Stacy Carter, aka the cat, to the curb. Or I think no, mostly she no. did. She kicked him to the curb. Let's be honest yes. about this. I would love to know why. Like uh, because. Why? Because he's an old man, and she was I, not an old woman. I, I, that's what I assumed. But I also wonder, like, did she really get Mike? Nothing against King. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh man. I mean, he likes him young, but they got married. Yeah. Like, you gonna tell me that she got married because she loved him? Or I think I hey, think King I, makes can, a lot of money as a commentator. Also, I think that's, that's part of it. That's what I figured too. But, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, did she just use him to get in to the WWF? Or something, you know what I mean? Well, she, she like, when she got fired from the WWF, she pretty much stopped all wrestling things. Agreed. So, yeah. uh, like, I don't know. What What, what is interesting is that uh, King, while he was kind of working, he worked a whole bunch of indies as a wrestler. Yeah, the big one being all- the XWF. The... He was also a uh, commentator for the short-lived World Wrestling All-Stars company from Australia. Oh, I remember watching their second pay-per-view. I had a tape of it. I don't remember how I got it or where I got it from, but I somehow got a tape of it. 
It was like well, that one was actually held in Las Vegas, and that was the one that he actually worked on. Oh, really? The mm-hmm. second pay per view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember seeing Chris Daniels and stuff for the first time. It was right before TNA started, and I remember seeing all these people for the first time, like Loki and stuff. Well. Basically, um, a lot of those guys, not Loki, Loki and Chris Daniels weren't contracted to WCW, but a lot of those like X Division guys originally were part of WCW right before it closed. And so they just, so a whole bunch of WCW guys were just like, oh yeah, we're going to go do this tour in Australia. And they were like, okay. Yeah. They went along too. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize until I got older that AJ Styles was under contract and on the you know, he was on TV as yes, Air with Paris. His tag team partner, Air Paris. Yes. No idea. So, you learn. But, uh, man, uh, what a way to start out WrestleMania 18. Instead of the WrestleMania intro, we get the Island Records recording artist, Saliva, who sang Superstar. They were terrible live. Oh, my God. Well, the guy just kept on going, get off your asses, baby. Yeah. And that it's like, just, okay. I just wonder, like, how much, like, studio, like, production they had. Because, man, they're great on the album. But the freaking, the, the, the live, everything they did was not good. And I like their music. Like, you know, I, I think they're pretty okay. Oh, I, I click click booms a pretty good song. Eh, I'm sick of that song. But yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, they sing superstar. Uh, on the screen they play a promo package for WrestleMania. Finally, the intro plays. Uh, several superstars state how long WrestleMania, or sorry, how big WrestleMania is. Hulk Hogan calls them, compares himself to Babe Ruth. Yes, which I found hilarious after WrestleMania 35. Um. Uh, basically, Ric Flair claims it's bigger than the Super Bowl, which I beg to differ. Even back then, uh, they show tons of clips from previous WrestleManias and what it means to headline, or why someone like Hulk Hogan is coming back and taking it so seriously, or Triple H coming back from his injury. So Triple H is like. Oh, I was so injured. I didn't know if the fans would even know who I was. Like, shut up. But yeah, Hulk Hogan was like, I haven't been here since WrestleMania 9. I built WrestleMania. Blah, 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 blah. I'm Babe Ruth, brother. Yes. So, first match of the night is the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Rob Van Dam versus William Regal, the champion. <clears throat> so... William Regal, again, curtain-jerking for WrestleMania and competing for the IC title. Yes. A repeat from last year. Yep. I said, once again, William Regal opens the WrestleMania event, uh, doing the same thing at WrestleMania 17. Except he was actually the champion this time. Yes, and thankfully no pee was involved. Yes, no pee was involved. But maybe some weed. Mm, Well, it is RVD, so more than likely. Yes. But I think William Regal was clean it by this point. I would hope so. Or mostly. He kept on going for his shorts, though, so that he could get brass knuckles. Yes. A standing moonsault early by RVD, and Regal quickly goes 
into the tights and tries to use his brass knucks, but RVD kicks him out of his hand, and JR plays up like Regal is useless now. Uh, RVD then climbs the ropes and tries for a five-star five frog splash early, but Regal rolls out of the way. Uh, Regal then tries for three consecutive pin attempts, but only gets a two each time. And you can already see that he has a bloody mouth. Yeah. Because because RPD kicked him in the face. Yes. A really great looking neck breaker by Regal. Only gets a two. Regal's the Regal ble- Cutter. The re- oh, that's, is that what it's that's called? That's what that's called. Ah. Regal is bleeding from the mouth from the several kicks by RVD. Uh, RVD then tries a rolling thunder, but Regal puts his knees up and then hits a uh, uh, double underhook pinning powerbomb for a two. Uh, RVD then gets an inside cradle for another two. A monkey flip to the center of the ring by RVD. Uh, Regal then comes back with a full Nelson German suplex. It was pretty great looking. It was technically a half Nelson suplex. I, but that's what uh, JR called it. Ah, okay. Yeah, I just kind of took it from him. Uh, it kind of happened so quick. I was like, yeah, okay. And like, RVD landed right on the top of his head. He did. It looked impressive. Regal then finds the Nucks on the outside, but Brian Hebner, the referee, sees the Nucks and takes him away from him. But he just goes and gets another one pair yes. out of his tights. Regal just grabs a second pair, but RVD spin kicks Regal. So I was confused. I had to watch this twice. Regal spin kicks and then hits the five-star five frog splash for the win at 6 minutes and 20 seconds to become the new IC champion. After the match, the show replay, and JR says that maybe the Nucks were driven into the face of Regal. So even they were, I think, a bit confused. Because it just... the. The spin kick happened, and then it was like, boom, five-star frog splash, over. What did you think of the match? I thought it was a really, it was a decent opener. Um, this is going to sound like, this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. I dislike Rob Van Dam. What? Hear, hear me out. Every time that Rob Van Dam goes into the ring, one of two things happens. He either hurts somebody, or he nearly kills himself. Okay, I don't disagree there. Um, he does get kind of a receipt when uh, later that summer, during a match with the Dully Boys, he is driven face first through a table because they miss. <laughs> he takes a 3D through a table. Instead of going his stomach first, he goes face first through the table. But no, I agree. Uh, I remember... You know, not even then this period, but through most of Rob Van Dam's career in the WF, people hated working with him because he was so goddamn snug. Or just or, outright dangerous because he threw legit kicks. Or that one time he crushed Triple H's throw. Or, oh, thought, yeah. or you know, that time that uh, in ECW where... Lance Storm hit him really softly with chairs, and then he just cracked him right over the head <laughs> as hard as he could. You know, like he's he's kind of an he's kind of an asshole. So I'm I'm so I don't like I, he his move set looks really cool, and a lot of people like his aesthetic. Whatever, I don't particularly like him. And the fact is that when I was watching this match, I was like, okay, well, Regal. Regal's a tough guy, so it it should be fine. 
but it's not even two minutes into the match, and then Regal already has a bloody mouth because Rob Van Dam doesn't know how to throw a kick without actually kicking somebody. <laughs> so I don't like him. However, it was a good match. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Good, good opener. Wasn't anything, you know, like you're gonna go back and rewatch, but you know, it was a good little match. I I like I like this position that R- William Regal is in for the last two WrestleManias. I kind of wish that he stayed there mm-hmm. because I think, or even had gone up the card. I I I firmly believe that William Regal should have been world champion. Eh, I mean, he probably would have been good. I just, his gimmicks were never really, I don't think, world champion level. Well, mainly well okay. And... His his gimmicks, maybe not, but his in-ring ability was. Agreed. And I always really enjoy wrestlers who, when they're in the ring and they, like, lift somebody up to do a suplex or a powerbomb or hit them or something, they just yell like a wild man. And William Regal does that quite well. Fair enough. So uh, Christian is back is with Lillian Garcia, and she plays a clip from uh, WrestleMania. From WrestleMania, why did I say that? Anyway, she plays a clip of uh, mentioning the losing streak. Oh, sorry, I meant to say Raw. So yeah, I watched the Raw before, and um, on the Raw before, uh, Christian's going through a losing streak. And he has a match on Raw, and because Diamond Dallas Page, who's his motivational speaker, trying to give him positivity, uh, helps, and he finally wins a match. But doing so, he turns on DDP and attacks him, and he says he doesn't need DDP, and he's moved from Toronto to Florida. Because he's a winner. Because he's a winner. And for DDP, that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. I love Christian. Yes. Um, also, I have to say that Christian looked humongous here. He did. He was ripped. I don't like. I don't know what he did, but like his mesh shirt was just like almost falling off of him because it was so large. <laughs> he was so large. I don't. I but I, I do have to say that uh, no shirt, Christian. Much better than mesh shirt, Christian. True. Next up was the WWF European Championship. Christian versus European Champion, Diamond Dallas Page. Yo, it's me. It's me. It's DDP. I like this gimmick. It was fun. Well, it's basically what DDP does right now. Yeah, exactly. You just transition into a career in a business. So Christian attacks DDP as soon as he enters the ring and grabs and poses with the belt. Both men end up outside, and DDP throws Christian around the ringside, bouncing him off everything. Christian gets the upper hand and knocks Paige off the ring apron with a clothesline. Christian then climbs the turnbuckle, and DDP slams Christian. Paige then hits a discus clothesline, and then a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Christian then tries for an unprettier... Uh, then DDP tries for the diamond cutter, but both men block each other's moves. Page then hits the diamond cutter for the win at 6 minutes, 10 seconds for being uh, still your European champion. DDP then gets on the mic and says he's proud of Christian. He didn't throw a, tenter ten- a ten- temper tantrum. 
Christian then starts throwing a huge tent tantrum. I can't say it. Fucking say that. He throws a tantrum. Yes. He throws it in the ring. I hated this part about the Christian's gimmick. Like I can understand the the losing streak and all that, but the but Vince like, hated him. I don't know why, but Vince hated him. He did. Let's, luckily, we didn't have the blue dot. Um, but yeah, I, I thought again it was a a decent match by both guys. I mean, it was again it's one of these matches. It's like you're not gonna go back so, and watch WrestleMania 18 for the Edge versus Diamond Dallas Page. But Christian thought, versus. Or sorry, yeah, Christian. Sorry, you know, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of there, but it was a pretty decent, quick little match. I mean, they're both really good workers, so there was no like real mess ups or anything along those lines. Nobody had a bloody mouth by the end of it. Um, so, you know, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, rock, rock tonight, the biggest night of your career. The biggest match in the history of this business. The biggest event. WrestleMania, the biggest matchup of all time. A matchup that will determine who will go down as the greatest ever. And Hogan, last week, you asked The Rock. You stood in the ring and asked The Rock what you're gonna do when Hulkamania runs wild on you. You see, Hogan, what you're failing to realize, The Rock wants you to remember, is The Rock wants Hulkamania to run wild on him tonight. The Rock wants Hulkamania in all of his glory. Coach, let The Rock ask you something. Did you take your vitamins this morning? <laughs> well, actually, I did, Rock. We actually, Rock, thank you. The Rock asked you this. Did you say your prayers? Well, actually, I got kind of busy. I was you got busy saying your prayers. The Rock gives thanks every day. We all do. And you got busy? Well, Rock, it's been a busy... Well, what are you waiting for, Coach? What are you waiting for? You know what? Shut up, Coach. You don't make any decisions around here. The Rock's not going to make a decision tonight. Excuse The Rock one second. Would you people like to see the Coach say his prayers? You see, Coach, they believe in you. The Rock believes in you. So, Coach, say your prayers. Say your prayers, Coach. Put your hands together, Coach. Put them together. Look up into the sky. Look up. Get down on your knees, Coach. Get on your knees. Say your prayers. Give your thanks. Get out on your knees, Coach. Coach, we all believe in you, Coach. Now, you say your prayers like you've never said them before. What up, Jake? Coach here, I just wanted to give you, you know, a quick shout out. Good night for everybody. What in the blue hell is wrong with you? 
What up, G? That's the way you give thanks? You get out of here, you sick freak! You don't give thanks like that. Get his candy ass out of here. You see, Hulk Hogan, The Rock wants Hulkamania in all of his glory. What you gonna do, Hulk Hogan, when you face The Rock tonight? When you've got butterflies in your Hulka stomach and you reach down to feel if you still got a Hulka strudel? Hulk Hogan, what you gonna do when The Rock runs wild on you? But you know what, Hogan? The Rock will tell you exactly what you're gonna do. The Rock will tell you, you're gonna feel the electricity like you've never felt before. Electricity that has happened like never before. Hulk Hogan, you are gonna hear 70,000 strong chanting your name, chanting The Rock's name. Hulk Hogan, you will see the people's elbow come crashing down on your chest. And Hogan, above all else, above all else, you will, you will, you will, you will, you will, good God Almighty, you will smell what the rock is cooking. Backstage, the rock was, a, was with Jonathan Coachman. Coach says that this is the biggest match in Rock's career at the biggest event. The rock stops him, he cuts a promo saying that the match is to determine who is the greatest of all time. He then asks Coach, did he take his vitamins? Coach says, yes. He then asks Coach, did he say his prayers? Coach says, well, he got busy. So Rock says, damn it, Coach. What? And then he makes him get on his knees. He's like, say your prayers. Coach says, what up, G? This is Coach. I just want to give you a shout-out. And he goes, Styles goes, What? What up, G? And he kicks him out of frame. And he, he uh, so he calls him a sick freak. He kicks him out of the shot. And The Rock says he can, he's going to run wild. Uh, what happens when The Rock runs wild on you? The promo thing goes on about cutting, putting over the match. And the attendance went up from 60,000 people, according to DDP, to 70,000 people by The Rock. Because uh, DDP said, oh, you, you didn't lose your temper, you know, in front of 60,000 people. And now... In, right. So. Well, you know, people were probably still filing into, the, into it because fair, it was only enough. the Intercontinental and the European Championships. Who cares about those? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was a really good promo. I'll have it here. Uh, we'll have it. So you can listen to it all. But, uh, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed the promo. It went on a little long, though. Well, it's The Rock. The Rock, at this point of it in his career, is kind of self-indulgent. He'll just go on forever, and the people will just eat it up because it's The Rock. Yeah. No, and definitely. It's... And I really felt it did, like, okay, the comedy with Coach was one thing, but then it's just like, oh, The Rock it's gonna, it's gonna lay the smackdown on your candy ass. What you gonna do when the rock runs wild on you? Blah 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 blah. Rock is great. It's like, oh, shut up. Just do your fucking catchphrase and leave. Like you got to a point well, where it's just like, okay, I'm ready for you to go, Rock. Hurry well, up. I mean, it's because he has so many catchphrases. True. You know, he has the turn the boot sideways, shove it up your ass the what you gonna do and all these other things and he also has to steal everybody else's catchphrases yeah yeah next up we have the WF hardcore championship 
Goldust versus Champion Maven. Boo. Yeah. So on the network, they, on the network, they had to take out the tough enough theme. I was a little bummed about that. Uh, Goldust throws several golden trash cans into the ring. Goldust attacks Maven be- before he can get in the ring, and sends him upside down uh, to the ba- into the barricade. Uh, in the ring, Maven throws a trash can to Goldust and drop kicks it into the face for a two count. Uh, Goldust goes under the ring and gets a golden shovel, which I thought was Triple H's. Uh, listen, listen. Triple H is the most unselfish person in the term, in, in terms of wrestling, and I will not hear anything bad against my dad. <laughs> uh, King gets really excited by this golden shovel. Uh, it's Maven, a golden shovel. I guess. <laughs> Maven is a hit in the face with the handle by Goldust kicking it into his face. Essentially, he just, you know, stomped on the shovel part and the handle hit him, hit him in the face. Uh, Goldust then hits an Irish whip into a trash can mounted in the corner for a two. Both men hit each other at the same time with trash can lids, and then Spike Dudley runs in out of nowhere with his own referee and wins the Hardcore Championship. Crash Holly then chases Spike into the crowd, and Maven and Goldust follow as well. Uh, total match time was 3 minutes and 16 seconds. So this is going to be a running thing throughout the entire show. Yes. To quote-unquote tell the story of Triple H versus Chris Jericho, Drowning Pool plays Terror Way. Set to a video with no audio... And we are forced to watch from a camera pointed at the Titan Tron. They couldn't even, like, show us the actual video. With shots no. of the band intermixed with the crowd, it was awful again. I just fast-forwarded it because I was like, fuck this. Yeah, I mean, point. I don't I don't know quite why they were able to get both Saliva and Drowning Pool for this. Yeah. When when last year they couldn't even get Limp Biscuit to show up. Yeah. Um, but are are Drowning Pool and, and Saliva Canadian bands? I don't know. Probably. Could be. Because that's the only thing. But they I were think super of. popular back then too. Well, I I mean all new metal was very popular back then. True. It was the new thing. Yeah. Um But you know I did notice and not jumping ahead at all, but other than, like, The Rock and a couple other vintages we'll talk about, there were no promo packages. There were no really backstage. It was just pretty much match, 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 match. Well, they had to make all this time for all these musical performances. I guess, yeah. So we go to the back after this. Crash and Spike Dully are fighting, and Al Snow is on a golf cart. He drives through a big stacked pile of cardboard boxes. The hurricane then swings in out of nowhere and picks up the wing, uh, the wind, and then flies away. Al Snow comes back through another pile of boxes and is mad because he missed the hurricane. They had to set up two big piles of, ma- of, of cardboard boxes. It was great. How much time they wasted. Uh... Anyway, next up is Kurt Angle versus Kane. This was, a, this was a weird match. Kurt Angle grabs the mic and talks bad about figure skaters of Canada. 
And he gets huge what chance? So this is a time where the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, had happened a few months prior. And I don't remember the whole situation, but it was like a judge like gave a bad score or something to a figure skater for Canada. And they bitched and moaned and it finally got changed or some shit. And I, I, who the fuck cares? Anyway, he talked well, shit about Okay, so what it was, it, what, what it was that the French judge gave Canada a really good score and they won the gold medal. And oh, a lot of people okay. disagreed with it at the time, but that that's what's happened. And the only reason I know that is because in 2002, I was, uh, like, 11, um, was a few, a few years later, I watched a Robin Williams stand-up special, and he had a whole bit about it. Wow. Well, there you go. Thanks, Robin Williams. Yeah, I miss him. Yes. He then calls himself the big red, white, and blue machine. And uh, he hopes Kane is listening. Kane's pyro then goes off and scares the crap out of Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle hits Kane with the ring bell on the back of the head before the match even starts. As he was trying to do his uh, his arm lift pyro. Um, I can't remember if Kane's music has lyrics yet. No. No, it's not the Finger Eleven song. Not Finger Eleven song yet. Oh, I like that song. I like that song too. It's on my it's on my Spotify playlist. Uh, Jr. and King bring up Kane's head trauma, so the whole story is like Kane has head trauma, and getting hit in the head is bad, because uh, you know back then they didn't know about concussions. No, clearly because they always do all these storylines about how concussions are bad. MK. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Angle hits a great looking German suplex and then stomps Kane. Kane then comes back with punches and two handed choke lifting angle off the mat and then a huge belly to belly overhead suplex, which looked fucking amazing. An overhead belly to belly suplex on Kane. I was floored. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, Kane's very athletic. <clears throat> yes. Angle keeps hitting stomps to the back of Kane's head. Uh, back suplex by Angle for a two. Kane, Kurt then applies a front face lock to slow the match down. Kane slowly gets his back to his feet and hits a flapjack, sending Angle's face first fa- face into the mat. Kane then comes back with the side walk slam. Angle then tries for a move, but Angle blocks and uh, hits a trifecta of rolling German suplexes. Uh, but it only gets a two. Angle then climbs the top rope, hits a flying clothesline, similar to what Kane does. He then climbs the top rope again and tries for a second flying clothesline, but Kane clotheslines Angle out of midair. Both men exchange punches. Kane hits a big boot and a big backdrop, then a big power slam onto Angle. Kane is then choke slammed. I'm sorry, Kane then hits a choke slam on Angle. Uh. But he gets his hand to the bottom rope to stop the pin count. Kane then calls for the tombstone uh, pile driver, but Angle is able to reverse it with a duck behind and then tries to pull Kane's mask off and then hits Angle, hits an Angle slam and only gets a two count. Angle then pulls down his straps. He applies the ankle lock and uh, Kane is only tapped out to Kurt Angle uh, once and he's only tapped out that is the only time in his whole career he's ever tapped out. Um, Kane's able to get to the bottom rope. 
he gets back to his feet. He hits an insiguri. That's something you see very often from from Kane. Uh, Kane actually climbs. does that move quite often. Oh, does he? Insiguri. Okay, I don't remember him doing it that much. But he only does it. But he only he usually only does it on people who are bigger than him. Oh, so, okay. So it's interesting to see him do it against. Um, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, but like, oh, you're gonna put me in the, into a match with Mabel? Okay, well now I'm gonna do all my cruiserweight moves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, Kane slowly climbs the top rope, but Angle quickly runs up the up to the top rope and throws him off with an overhead belly to belly suplex. I love that move. That's lights. Uh, yes, every time. He then tries for the Olympic Slam, but Kim, but Kane. Hits a goozle before the choke slam, but Angle is able to roll up Kane. He grabs the ropes for leverage and picks up the win. Ten minutes and forty-six seconds. What do you what do you think of this match? I think it's pretty good. At this point, Kurt Angle has been world champion. He's won all the belts, and he is establishing establishing himself <laughs> as being one of the best wrestlers on in the WWF at a consistent level. And Kane is Kane has been kind of floating in this weird upper mid card status for a while. So I think them working together was a was a good match was a good matchup, and you got to see some things that you don't necessarily see from either men that often. And uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I thought the story was kind of weird about the whole head trauma thing, but yeah, honestly, well, I guess they had to the do match. something. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, but in the end of the day, it didn't play into the match, so I was like, whatever. At least it wasn't like a weird Kurt Angle story like we would get later on in his career when he was like telling Booker T that he wanted to have bestiality sex with his wife. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. I was like, oh, shit, he's going to talk about that or he's going to stop man. But yes, <laughs> so uh, in the back, Hurricane Helms is behind a Japanese dressing curtain in the woman's locker room. And he starts peeping as the women start stripping and comparing breasts. Because that just happens. Yep, they just do that. He then has a mop that he grabbed because he was next to like a janitor's bucket before he ran. So he has got a mop. And he points out like he has a large boner. And the Godfather attacks Hurricane Helms who runs away. So I laugh my ass off. It's because, very clear that there are no women on the writing staff at this point. No, but I still laugh my ass off. So apparently the hoes get their own uh, their own dressing room. A promo package plays to cover the Undertaker vs. Ric Flair promo. Rock is a lead pipe cinch that the Undertaker's gonna win this damn thing. Right, there's Ric Flair! What the heck? Flair just nailed the Undertaker with that lead pipe! I cannot believe that Ric Flair insinuated himself into this match! Was wrong, man. You hit me in the head with that pipe last night. Ought to that would be just being a man. I want your ass in the ring at WrestleMania. We're gonna see what kind of man you are. I want an answer. Yes or no. Undertaker assaulting Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson is Ric Flair's best friend. 
I told Ric Flair that I wasn't going to accept no for an answer, so this is on his head. That is a sick animal right there, let me tell you. You left me no other choice. I had to go pay your oldest son a visit. That is Ric Flair's oldest son, David. Oh, God! I told you that I wasn't going to take no for an answer. This is on your head, man. <laughs> What's it going to be, Flair? Because I really don't care how far I got to go. You got my attention. Undertaker, you got the nation boy at WrestleMania. Look at Flair, he's crazy. This is all about Arn Anderson and all about his, his son, David Flair. Flair is out of control. Oh, oh. Rick Flair with Flair. a shot. Flair in a fan. And Rick Flair in pursuit of the Undertaker. Rick Flair has absolutely lost it. Simply, I'm very sorry to inform you that uh, I have to place you under arrest. You must be so embarrassed over the actions of the co-owner, Ric Flair. Do you intend, Rick, to go through with this match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania? Yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Then you leave this board no alternative but to grant to Mr. McMahon a unanimous vote of confidence with full authority to act. We do reserve the right immediately following WrestleMania to review this decision. At WrestleMania, I will even the score with The Undertaker at any cost to myself personally. Since uh, I do have all the power and authority, at least through WrestleMania, allow me to inform you that your match with The Undertaker is now a no disqualification. Ric Flair made me do that. I had to push the envelope just a little bit further, maybe too far. I just hope you realize that you left me no other choice. At No Way Out, uh, uh, Taker with a pipe, and then he like messed up his match. So he challenges Flair to a match at WrestleMania, but Flair says no. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to make you famous. Undertaker then attacks and bloodies Arn Anderson, the longtime friend of Ric Flair. He then goes to OVW and attacks David Flair and Taker. And then Rick and Taker fight in the crowd. And he uh, and take, uh, Ric Flair ends up punching a fan. And the guy goes, that's the guy. That's the guy who punched me. And I'm thinking to myself, you're a fucking wrestling fan. How the fuck do you not know who Ric Flair is? <laughs> and then I love the fact that cop is like, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Mr. Flair. I'm going to have to arrest you. Like, what? You're a cop. He assaulted a fan. But yeah, so uh, Flair is arrested. And now his co-ownership is uh, stripped. And Vince is given full power. So on the n- Monday night uh, Raw before WrestleMania... The Vince McMahon convened a meeting, and they had several promos from Titan Towers. And Linda McMahon says, basically, it was Vince like replaying the punch to the fan, and like 
showing like where you know like Ric Flair's unstable and stuff. It's pretty funny, trying to make his case. And Linda McMahon, you know, just find it funny. A year earlier, she was a vegeta a vegetable. She was a, well, a zombie. Yes. So she and I wondered. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like. Were those a legit board members, or did they just grab people and like, you're working late tonight, pal. I'll buy you some pizza. They probably just got people from OVW. Well, no, these are all like old, middle-aged, like old people, oh. like board. Like you would, I would legit thought they were like board members. I mean, maybe all in suits and yeah, it was hilarious. But so Linda's like, well, if Rick, do you do you plan on having this match with Undertaker this Sunday at WrestleMania? Yes. Well, then we, the board, have no choice but to grant Vince McMahon full power. And Vince is all happy. And so what does he do? He screws with Ric Flair, and he makes it a no-DQ match. So, Which actually helps Ric it Flair. It does. It does help. And it helps the match overall. So, we have a no-DQ match. The Undertaker versus Ric Flair. Undertaker comes out on his bike with a Dead Man Inc. t-shirt and a stocking cap. Yeah. Flair runs down. Rolling, rolling. Yeah. Flair has to run down the entrance ramp and quickly goes after the Undertaker. Flair sends Taker over the announce table. He hits a right hand after a right hand. And eventually, Flair trips up and is caught by Undertaker, who drives Flair uh, back into the ring. Uh, JR then brings up the plane crash with Flair's back as he uh, hits. hits uh, his back into the ring, back side of the ring. Uh, yes, bring up an injury that happened 30 years ago. Yep, but he brought it up as it might be a factor. <laughs> um, so yeah, the plane crash that broke broke his back essentially. Yeah. Um, so in the ring, Flair and Taker take turns giving each other punches in the corner. Flair tries his flip, but he botches it, going kind of shoulder first, getting caught in the between the middle and top turnbuckle. And he just kind of flopped. It was not good looking. But they try it again. It's successful. Taker then follows up with a kick, knocking Flair back out to the ring side area on the floor. Taker is now busted open over his right eye. And Taker keeps giving him... Uh, right. Oh, sorry. Flair is busted open over his right eye. And uh, Taker keeps giving him shots to cut open the wound even more. Back in the ring, Flair is... Already bleeding buckets. Uh, it's pouring down his face. His blonde hair is turning red. Undertaker intimidates Charles Robinson for some reason. And then Flair comes back with a knife edge chop. The crowd wild, loudly woos after each chop. Taker then puts Flair on the top rope. Taker climbs the top rope and hits a uh, huge superplex on Flair. Undertaker then goes for the cover but only gets a two. And then he yells, "You uh, Flair yells, you son of a bitch. And starts hitting knife edge chops. Uh, Taker quickly stops him though with a punch, and he continues attacking Flair. While Flair is uh, hung over the side of the ring, he hits a leg drop to the back of Flair. Undertaker then covers Flair but picks him up at two. JR then brings up the fact that Undertaker is nine and zero at WrestleMania, and that nobody is even close to that record. Uh, Flair's face and hair is, is a crimson mask at this point. Uh, there's just blood everywhere. And now JR is just like, oh, just end it, Rick. 
Desperation knife edge chops by Flair. And but again he's just knocked down with punches. Taker then does an old school, but Undertaker pulls uh Oh. <laughs> he then calls Taker a, uh under uh, Ric Flair a piece of shit. Uh and then pulls him uh, and then Flair just pulls him off the rope. More knife edge chops. Uh Taker comes back with a sidewalk slam for a two count. Um Taker then runs for a big boot, but Flair ducks and uh, Undertaker like puts his boot over his leg over the f- top rope, so he gets caught. In the back of the motorcycle bag, Ric Flair finds a lead pipe, and he cracks it across the head of the Undertaker. And now he's busted open. Uh, they fight in the entrance ramp. Flair finds a keep off sign. He hits Taker with it like five times. Um. Taker then sets up for the last ride, but Flair sends him, uh, sandbags him, and drops him. So Taker just hits the tombstone for the win at 18 minutes and 47 seconds. He is now 10 and 0 at WrestleMania. I found it kind of funny that Ric Flair like sandbagged. I was wondering if he sandbagged him or just lost grip of him because I was thinking to myself like, there's no way in hell Ric Flair is gonna freaking take a, a last ride power bomb. No, I think I think that was a planned spot. But you you skipped over the best spot in the entire match. I did. Oh, yes. Attacks. Okay, so. Uh, okay, what was the best spot then? Arn Anderson coming out of nowhere and hitting the best spinebuster of his entire career. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was trying to get a, trying to go a little ahead. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Arn Anderson came in. Uh, he hits a spinebuster on Undertaker. He then gets a cover and only gets a two. Uh, Arn Anderson then is drugged into the ring and is quickly busted open by Undertaker. And then, and then Undertaker puts him in the dragon sleeper. Yes. But no, like I was like, I was shocked because at this point, uh, Arn has been retired for several years and he gets into the ring and he lifts Taker up like he weighs nothing and gives him the oh, best. Oh, well, it was all momentum. I, mean, I know, but it was the best looking spinning spine buster it was good that i have ever seen i triple h only wishes he could do a spine buster that good true what did you think of the match though i thought it was okay here's the thing um the dq uh the no dq stipulation helped the match oh definitely Ric Flair was not in the best of shape at this point. Ah, okay. I was curious about that because uh, I really felt like it was just punch, kick, punch, kick, knife edge chops, you know, and then he bladed, obviously, for effect. And the majority of the match was like, JR, like, oh, come on, Rick. Oh, just right. give up. Oh, you're so bloody. Uh. He he really wasn't in the best of shape at this point, and that... And, that could be because he was still dropping weight from the time he gained a whole bunch of weight at the end of WCW. It could be because he sat on his ass for True. eight months. True. Yeah. He and hadn't right. wrestled. And he was over 50 at this point. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that were contributing to the fact that this match wasn't like super great, but they told a really good story and they, they had enough, uh, extra things in there that made it worthwhile. In the in-ring action itself, really wasn't that great. There was also um, there's also um, 
some talk by Ric Flair that like Taker really didn't want to take a whole bunch of knife edge chops. Oh, okay. Like he said, you can do like three and then that's it. Gotcha. Like he, he did more obviously throughout the match, but like Taker was like, you're not hitting me with a whole bunch of those, those hurt and you're not doing it. (laughs) I don't blame him. Sure. I'm, I mean, so there, so there were like a few things here and there that were like, okay, so not, not necessarily like, the greatest but certainly good and it's also like this is like probably one of the longest matches on the entire uh, in the entire night as well uh so, yeah it went 1847 yeah so there was that it was it was a, it was a longer match as well yeah sometimes sometimes is good and and other times not so much yeah i enjoyed the match um yeah it's nothing to write home about um, it was good. I mean, it was a flare match. Um, makes sense then after what you mentioned about him having to kind of get back in shape and whatnot. So, well, because if you look at stuff he was doing even next year with Batista and, and stuff like that and evolution and all those other things, he was yeah. much, much better. Yeah, I agree. All right. Booker T is in the back. He has, he has Booker T with glasses, actually. He's with Michael Cole. Booker T says that he's highly intelligent, and he has glasses. He talks about his high grades, and he says that Edge is going to get his ass kicked. They show the Hard Rock Cafe, which is attached to the arena, and they show a shot of the Hard Rock. They show a shot inside the Hard Rock Cafe, and then it's also attached. I thought it'd be so much fun. Although they didn't show the where the where the ring was, so. But uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool. Hey, go let's go get some beer and watch WrestleMania at the Hard Rock Cafe. Yes. Hmm. I don't know. Some places do do that. There's well, like a near where I live. There's a um. There's a nightclub that actually does wrestling on the on, like a couple times a month. Oh wow! No, this was actually in the arena though. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I remember, too, the Skydome also has uh, hotel rooms attached to them. Because I remember during a Raw in, like, 98, they had, like, people from, like, hotel rooms, like, like they were, like, sweet balcony suites, like, boom, you're right there in the arena. Like, how badass would that be? I mean, it would be kind of cool. It's kind of like if you when you go to an anime convention and you can stay right in the convention center. Yeah? I, yeah? Yeah. All right, Booker T versus Edge. Edge hits a uh, gets a huge ovation as he's from Toronto. Someone holds up a sign saying they're fighting over shampoo. Well, they are. Yes, very astute. A shoulder block by Booker T, but Edge comes back with a drop kick. A uh, very fast start to the match. Edge is dropped over the top rope. Edge is in clothesline out of the top rope. Teddy Long. Admonishes Booker T, and Booker T climbs to the top rope and hits a flying drop kick for a two count. A big hurricanrana on Edge by Booker T, or sorry, by Edge by on Booker T. And then a spin kick and a series of clotheslines. Booker T tries for a scissors kick, but misses. Uh, Edge then hits a reverse slam for a two. Edge tries for a spear, 
but Booker T leapfrogs Edge, who slams into the turnbuckle. Uh, he then does a spin rooney and then hits a scissors, scissors kick on Edge. JR then says he tried to spin a rooney on his back porch. Uh, Edge then hits a spear out of nowhere uh, for a near fall. Uh, then does his version of the spin rooney to mock Booker T. Edge then hits an execution DDT and picks up the win at 6 minutes and 34 seconds. So, once again, another match of just kind of there. Yeah. And again, the, the the whole premise had nothing to do with anything. Like, maybe Booker T could have, like, squirted shampoo in and Edge's eyes and got the I think this or... match would have been better if if the um, stipulation was not only that they were fighting over a Japanese hair uh, shampoo commercial, but the loser would also have to lose their hair. Or something, yeah. Yeah. But Edge was never Edge was definitely not gonna shave his head and oh, Booker either, T. Yeah, either was Booker T. Yeah. So I mean I know he did back in the Harlem Heat days, but you know, I don't know. No, now he has to cultivate those dreads. Yes. Hurricane is in the back with Jonathan Coachman. He asked about the Godfather's escorts incident earlier in the show. Mighty Molly then comes out of nowhere and says, Hey look, the Huracycle and then hits him in the back of the head with a frying pan. For the pin and becomes a new hardcore champion. Uh. A promo plays hyping up the Austin Hall match. Well, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for one of the most intense robber knockers we may ever witness? And this all started when Mr. McMahon brought in the NWO. I'm going to inject WWE with a lethal dose. Poison. These three human beings have robbed Austin of his dream with a lethal dose of poison. The poison of the NWO is running through the veins of the Texas rattlesnake. You want to play with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Hey, he's got him. You come in the World Wrestling Federation looking to make a name for yourself on Stone Cold? Ruin my title shut? You're going to learn that you do not mess with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody embarrasses Scott Hall. Nobody humiliates Scott Hall. Austin 316 says, I just branded your ass. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I want you to feel I want you to be embarrassed. Oh no, with a stunner! Oh, oh, with a stunner on Austin! This is what I want. Scott Hall, Steve Austin, one-on-one at WrestleMania. Put his little head right there. Turn it so slightly. Wham, drop him. Stone Cold Stunner. Put some stink on it. One, two, three. That's the first member of the NWO, Scott Hall. He's going down. I hear from you that you're the toughest SOB in the WWF. Prove it. The NWO attack Austin and cost him his WWF Championship match. Austin then attacks Scott Hall and binds him to a chair with duct tape and beats him up. 
all the challenges uh, Austin to prove that he's a who is the toughest in the WWF. He challenges him to the match at WrestleMania. Austin comes out to a huge ovation. He's now a babyface and a fan favorite. Austin is four and one at WrestleMania. Scott Hall comes out and he motions towards the entrance, and out comes Kevin Nash. Austin attacks Hall, uh, Scott Hall with stomps and punches as soon as he enters the ring. It does press by Austin, and then uh, he slams his head into the mat like a hundred times as the crowd chants along. Uh, but every time. Uh, oh, um. They chant what every time he hits his head. It's, it's really annoying. Austin gives chase as Scott Hall run, rolls out of the ring. Kevin Nash then attack uh, is then attacking. Uh, Scott Hall then attacks on the floor as well. Uh, Hall whips Austin into the pillar. To pillar with following up with clotheslines. He then hits a fallaway slam for a two count. Hall then continues with stomps to a downed Austin. Nash interjects himself. Uh, finally, Austin is able to come back and hit a spine buster on Hall. He comes back with more punches. He hits a more, another series of punches. Austin hits a stunner and goes for the cover, but Nash pulls Tim White out of the ring. Hall then grabs a chair from the outside. Nash holds Austin, but Austin kicks to the gut of Hall, and he hits a low blow on Nash. Uh, stunner on Nash. Stunner on Hall. Austin gets the visual pinfall. Jack Doan then runs down and starts to count, but Nash drops an elbow on Doan to stop the count. Scott Hall then tries for the outsider's edge, but Austin backdrops Hall out of the ring. Five referees have come out and eject ring, uh, Kevin Nash from ringside. Finally back in the ring, Austin tries for a stunner. He counters it with his own stunner, and Tim White slowly starts to count as Austin is able to kick out. Hall then tries for a second stunner, but Austin hits two back-to-back stunners on uh, Hall, and he gets the win at 9 minutes and 53 seconds. I did not like this match. No, it was overbooked, and also it was very clear that there were Hall was not quite with it. I, yeah, I kind of felt like... I don't know if he was just ring run. I Do you think he was... Uh, do you think he was... Uh, not, I think he was in no condition? No, I don't think he was in no condition, because if that was the case, then Kevin Nash would have I, I remember at this time that Hall was actually ordered by courts to take the medicine that, if you drink alcohol, you, like, vomit. Um, like, he was trying to, I think he was trying to, like, get his life in order. I'm sure he was, and, but, like, I, I think part of it is that he has. He really hadn't wrestled all that much. No, I think it goes back to what you were saying with Ric Flair. Like he sat Ring out his contract. Yeah, Ring Rust. Well, he it, not only that he sat out his contract, but he wasn't used for that entire the the entire year of two thousand in WCW, mm-hmm. or two thousand one for the little bit of that. So yeah. he's been sitting at home for three years now. Yeah. No, I just kind of felt like, yeah. I, and Austin even wasn't doing that much. Like, it was just punches and kicks and, Well, I know. think that's what he he felt that he could do with Nash. 
or um, Hall. If the match had been Kevin Nash versus Steve Austin, I think we would have seen a lot more. Agreed. So, the next night on Raw, actually, uh, not the next night, but wasn't it? Yeah, the next night he basically just left. He didn't walk out. But at this time, Austin was really. He wasn't happy that it was facing Hall at WrestleMania. No, well, the the original match was going to be Hogan versus Austin. But yeah. that didn't end up happening because Hogan didn't want to face Austin. Austin really didn't want to face Hogan. Like, Steve Austin was having a major ego problem. Yeah, and I think he was burnt out too. Probably. Um, I mean, to be honest, that whole heel run was... A disaster. It wasn't yeah. good. Um, but yeah, he was very, very unhappy. I know, he, uh, I think in his book, he said this time too, his life was kind of unraveling it too. Like, it wasn't a good time. No. So, um, yeah. So, I, I I, didn't really care for the match. It just, it just was just kind of like, what a letdown of a match. Like, we went from Austin at WrestleMania 17 in a great match with Rock to Scott Hall. I just didn't care for it. Right. Definitely. Any more to add? No. All right. Next up, we have the WWF Tag Team Titles on the line in a Four Corners Elimination match. The Dully Boys with Stacey Keebler versus the APA versus the Hardy Boys versus the champions Billy and Chuck. Ugh. And apparently the uh, Hardy Bo- or the Billy Chuck music is supposed to be a boy band music. So Saliva plays the Dully Boys out, and Stacy dances with the lead singer. When Billy and Chuck come out, King says that he was in a group, uh, he was in a boy group called the Backseat Boys. And King says, "When was that?" Or Jr. says, "When was that?" In the fifty-two. F- he goes, "No, in seventy-five. The bigger the backseat, the better." There was a tag team called the Backseat Boys. Uh, mm. In TNA, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Chuck and Bradshaw start off uh, first with the back suplex by Bradshaw onto Chuck. And then Farouk is tagged in. Billy and Chuck double team Farouk from behind the back, uh, behind the ref's back. Farouk then comes back with a power slam and the tags in Bradshaw rather than go for the cover. The APA. Uh, attacks Billy and Chuck. Uh, Bradshaw hits a DDT for a near fall. Billy tags in Bubba Ray. There is a mix-up where Billy is able to wrestle instead of Bubba. A clothesline from hell on Billy. Gu- on Billy. Billy. The Dullies then hit a 3D on Bradshaw. And Devon picks up the victory, eliminating the APA. Um, it just seemed like they kind of lost track of who was the legal participants. Because even JR was like, who's legal? Both the Hardys are double teamed, are teaming uh, Billy. Uh, JR is still asking who's the legal man. On the outside, the Dullies set up a table. And finally, Bubba and Jeff are fighting in the ring. Whisper in the wing, wind by Jeff Hardy. Stacy then gets on the apron and makes a thong with her shorts and wiggles her ass. Jeff then runs up and like slaps the shit out of Stacy. And then kisses her, and then pie faces her off the side of the ring. That spot does not age well. Nope. And let's also be fair. 
you're you're skipping over the commentary that JR is doing about Billy and Chuck. Uh yes. I which which also does not age well no. at all. No. No. Bubba then comes in and gives a Bubba bomb to Jeff Hardy. A big back body drop to Jeff Hardy by Bubba for a two count. Devon Blind tags in, attacks Jeff Hardy with a uh, nice suplex. Uh, he only gets a two, though. Bubba then is tagged back in, and Jeff Hardy is now in the Tree of Woe. And Bubba stands up on top of Jeff. I always like that spot. It's so impressive. Well, they just stand on him when they're in the Tree of Woe. Devon is able to stop Jeff Hardy from tagging in by knocking Matt off the ring apron. Devon is then tagged in and hits a spinning elbow. Jeff is able to hit a reverse DDT out of nowhere to take both him and Devon down. Both men slowly crawled and make the hot tags. Now Bubba and Matt Hardy are in the ring. And it's all Matt Hardy throwing Devon out of the ring. He also attacks Billy and Chuck. Bubba then comes back with a back suplex to stop Matt Hardy finally. Bubba then tries for a senton bomb on the second rope and misses. And JR says he's never hit that move. Uh, the Dullies try for the what's up spot. But Devon is pushed off the top rope by Billy Gunn. He crashes through the table that was set up earlier. Jeff Hardy hits a swanton bomb. Uh, after Matt hits the twist of fate, Matt Hardy picks up the win, eliminating the Dully Boys. So we're down to Billy and Chuck and the Hardys. Now it's down to Billy and Chuck and the Hardy Boys. A side effect by Matt Hardy, a tag, and a poultry in motion by Jeff on both Billy and Chuck. Matt calls and hits the twist of fate on Chuck. And then Jeff hits a suntown bomb. Billy Gunn comes back with a fame asser, throws Jeff out of the ring, goes for the cover and a near fall. Chuck then slides in with the tag belt, hits Matt in the head with it behind the ref's back, and they get the win at 13 minutes and 52 seconds. Still your tag team champions, Billy and Chuck. Billy and Chuck. Man, um, this match was okay. I thought that it was kind of funny that Bradshaw and Farouk got out of the match within like three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, they they had a short night. I was thinking to myself while watching this match, you know, it's nice for once they don't have to kill each other. Because the last two years, there's been like the tables, ladders, and chairs matches and the tag team triangle match. And so I was like, this year they just have to do a nice tag team match. No crazy table spots, no power bombs off of the rafters, no, nothing crazy. I have to let her out. Hold on. Yep. Come on. So yeah, I thought just for once it was nice that the Hardys and the Dullies got a pretty relatively easy night. That right, I love Stacy Keebler as their man as their manager. She looked really good in the camo. I I I think Stacy Keebler really tried her best with all all of the things that she did. I just really liked her as the Dullies manager. She just she just it was just so good. I mean, I think this is probably her best role because uh, a lot of the other things that she did in the WWF were not great. Yes, agreed. Um, what do you think of the match overall, though? I thought it was an, an okay match. It was just kind of there. Yeah, I'm glad Billy Chuck got to keep titles. 
Um, I've seen enough title changes as it is so far. In the back, Scott Hall says that Austin got lucky, and Hogan says that he's going to prove that he's the man when he faces The Rock later on. And he says that he wants to do it alone. But after Hogan walks away, Nash, uh, Nash confirms to Scott Hall, oh no, we'll make our presence felt. Molly Holly is running around backstage, and there's a two-way door partition. The top partition is then slammed in the face of Mighty Molly. And then Christian is revealed as the person who hit her. He picks up the win and becomes the new hardcore champion. A promo package. Well, he said he was a winner. Yes, exactly. Two for two. Oh, wait, no, you lost. Never mind. He's one for two. 50% uh, is pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Our promo package is played for the Rock and Hope. Ladies and gentlemen, a year ago, we were about this match could have never occurred. But there's only one place, only one stage for this match. WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan in one heartbeat. You know, guys, it feels great to be back in this ring in the WWF. I mean, the WWF made Hulk Hogan a legend. But you know something? Something happened. And then you people turned on me. The WWF fans drove me out of the WWF. I'm the reason all you people are here. I'm the one that put the WWF on the map. I'm the one that made wrestling as big as it is today. There's nobody in this business that's a bigger icon than I am. I'm the biggest star, past or present, in the wrestling world today, and they'll never, ever be a bigger star than Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the same ring. Who would have thought they would have ever seen Hogan and The Rock? It was not the people that drove you out of the WWF. They loved you. They believed in you. And damn it, The Rock believed in you. You are a legend. You are without a shadow of a doubt an icon, quite possibly the best ever. And seeing as you are back in the WWF, you talked about headlining, main eventing, WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. Well, Hulk Hogan, The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? Yes. It'll be a pleasure to kick your ass at WrestleMania. And by the way, Rock, good luck, because you're going to need it. Not as much as you, brother. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, brother. The Rock just grilled Hollywood Hogan. Oh, brother. The immortal Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania as The Rock bows down to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You're pitiful, Rock. After I beat you, Rock, you're going to realize that you're ordinary. You're common. All these millions and millions of fans who were my fans first are going to see me kick your candy ass at 100% of WrestleMania. See, Hogan, you can beat The Rock in a tag. You can take a hammer to the back of The Rock's head. You can try to end my career. But the fact remains is there is no way that he's not going to walk into WrestleMania, the biggest match ever. Whoop your candy ass. One, 
comes out and he's cheered like crazy. A big Hogan chant breaks out after his entrance music stops. Rock comes out to a mixed reaction. They meet face to face. The crowd is red hot, still chanting for Hogan. A long headlock spot. A shoulder tackle by Hogan. As the crowd erupts, a Rocky Sucks chant occurs. Rock takes a flying clothesline to a chorus of booze. They keep taunting each other with just bring it taunts hand gestured things multiple rakes to the back by Hogan the ref doesn't seem to really care uh, Hogan then starts a 10 punch count in the corner but then he starts biting the rock rock comes back and chops with chops and punches rock then is thrown over the top rope Hogan then clears the announce table but rock comes back with punches and then slams his head over and over into the table Rock grabs a chair, but it's grabbed by the ref before, he's, before he hits him. Uh, Hollywood Hogan comes back with a clothesline. Back to the ring. Ref is knocked down by Hogan, throwing Rock into him. So Hogan was still trying to be the bad guy, but the crowd wasn't having it. Nope. Rock applies a sharpshooter to, the rock, uh, to Hogan in the middle of the ring. Hogan tries to power out, but can't. He crawls to the bottom rope and grabs it, but of course there's no ref. So he starts tapping out, and eventually Rock lets go of the hold. Um, the Rock then tries to go revive Mike Kyoto. Hogan then hits a low blow on the Rock. He then hits a Rock bottom. Then Kyoto comes back to life, and Rock barely kicks out. Hogan then takes off his weightlifting belt and starts whipping the Rock, which takes on a whole new meaning after his awful racist comments in 2014. Right. Rock then grabs the belt and starts whipping the hell out of Hogan with it. He then hits a rock bottom as Mike Chioda comes back to life. Hogan kicks out at two, and then he starts to Hulk up. Uh, Hogan then taunts the rock. Rock hits a big boot. Uh, Sorry. Hogan hits his big boot on the rock, hits a leg drop, and the rock kicks out another big boot. But the rock misses, Hogan misses as the rock rolls out of the way. Rock gets up, hits a rock bottom on Hogan, but he doesn't go for the cover. JR and King are confused as the rock hits another rock bottom. And he nips up. He then hits the people's elbow. One, two, three. Rock is your winner at 16 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, before getting to the other stuff, I kind of felt like the saying, uh, they did more with less. Could have not yeah. been more true. Like, they spent more time just staring at each other and, like, bad-mouthing each other and doing simple headlock spots, punches, kicks, and the the crowd ate everything up. Well, to be fair to Hogan, not that he deserves it, but to be fair to Hogan, that's kind of like his, all of his shtick was, all the time. Like, 
Yeah, he'd do a power slam here and there, maybe a vertical suplex. But the majority of his offense has always been punches and the big boot and then the leg drop. So that's why his career was so long. Yeah. But The Rock conceivably could have done a lot, lot more. And he but he didn't have to because the crowd would have like if they had just, I don't know, sat in the corner and stared at each other and then did rock, paper, scissors, the crowd would have ate it up. I was actually surprised there was no boo yay spot. No, it's just yay yay spots. Yes. Um. Well, the match. I mean, it was. It was an okay match. Um. The crowd made it obviously worthwhile. It was a good match. Um. It was kind of fun to see Hogan. You know, obviously he was supposed to be playing the bad guy, but. Like, I think they were both caught off guard. Because it was kind of funny, because The Rock did his promo earlier in the night, and he got cheered like crazy. Right, but he's not Hogan, and I, I don't know what it is, but Canada has, and specifically Toronto, has always loved Hogan. And he's never won in the Sky Dome. Nope, he's never won in the Silver Dome, brother. Nope. So, um... I mean, again, it's just one of these matches, like, I didn't care for the build-up, but the match itself, I guess, was good. I mean, at the end of the day, Hogan can only do so much. Rock's only going to be able to do so much. The the match is more just the aura surrounding these guys. And it was nice to see uh, Hogan actually, like, put Rock over. I was for sure thinking, like, okay, Rock's going to get screwed or something. So, anything else? No. After the match is over, they stare each other down. Hogan extends his hand first. After some hesitation, Rock shakes the hand. He and then the Rock poses. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash both run down, and Hall throws a toothpick in Hogan's face. And then Nash attacks Hogan from behind. Uh, they both take turns beating the hell out of Hogan. Rock comes running back down. Both men clear the ring. As Hogan leaves, Rock motions Hogan into the ring, and Hogan poses for a million years. And the crowd goes wild. Uh, the Fink then comes on the mic, says that the attendance record, a new attendance record has been broken. 68,237 fans. Seems like every year now they break an attendance record. Oh, they have to. That's the Vince McMahon thing. Um, but we did miss the big show at WWF New York. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. He's just there with the fans. He kind of looked a little sad. But at this point, um, Big Show actually had been sent to OVW to lose weight. Yeah. It's just and, crazy to think like how big he was. And then you look at him at his last run last year, and my God. He's a lot smaller he's now. It's amazing. Uh, WF Women's Championship. Jazz is the champion versus Lita versus Trish Stratus. So Trish is no longer uh, Vince McMahon's helper, I guess. She did start wrestling, and she was really terrible at first, but came into her own. Yeah, but she's not good here. No, she's still uh, very green. Trish comes out in the red and white and has a Canadian flag on her ass. Well, repping home country. Yep. Uh, Lita attacks Jazz before Trish can even get to the ring. 
Lydia and Trish work together early to attack Jazz to try to eliminate her. It doesn't last long though as Jazz quickly, quickly takes control. She places Trish in a single leg crab and then uh, a single leg drop onto Lita. Trish is then knocked to the, out, out of the ring. Jazz and Lita are then left to fight. Lita with the head scissors and a spinning uh, back suplex for a two. Trish comes back in and they roll up, she rolls up Jazz for a two. Lita then hits a crossbody for a two. Running Bulldog, but Jazz interferes to break up the spla- uh, with a splash at two. Jazz hits a fisherman suplex and it's broken up by Lita. The king names off different countries that are watching WrestleMania. And he's picking like weird ones like Man- Montego and Zimbabwe and just crazy ones. Uh, Lita and Trish exchange punches and a nasty back body drop on Trish who lands on her her hip instead of her back. Look, look it hurts. Lita hits Trish to fate and then tries for a moonsault but Trish gets her knees up. Trish then backslides Jazz for a tooth count. Trish then attempts for a stratisfaction, but Lita blocks it by sending Trish into the corner. Jazz then hits a fisherman suplex out of nowhere on Lita and picks up the win at 6 minutes and 17 seconds to retain her title. This was not good. It wasn't. It really felt even Lita. She's, I mean... Lita, Lita didn't become good until later either. Jazz was the only one there who had any sort of experience as a as a wrestler for any great length of time and unfortunately when you're you're the only one who can really work very well and you're put into the ring with two people who are pretty green this is kind of the result i i do have to mention though that jazz is still wrestling to this day and she's been the nwa's world uh women's champion for like four years now yeah, which was almost coming up to a thousand year, a thousand days. Unfortunately, she had to vacate the title recently. Oh, due to a no one really knows. She called it a personal slash medical issue. Hmm. So no one's really sure yet what's going on. But she was supposed to defend her title at a, an event here. I think it was this weekend or really soon, and then it came out that she was vacating the title. So. Christian is in the back. He's in a cab, like, cheering and, like, going, Yeah, I'm a winner! Raven then runs out of nowhere and rolls him up to become the new hardcore champion. And then he steals steals Christian's cab. cab. Yes. Man, he's a jerk. He is. The only thing he can really do well is that dropkick. Everything else he does is not great. True. Finally, we are ready for the main event. WWF Undisputed Championship match, The Game, Triple H versus Y2J Chris Jericho with Stephanie McMahon. Drowning Pool plays Triple H's theme. Stephanie McMahon that accompanies Chris Jericho. Triple H's leg is all bandaged up. Uh, JR and King mentioned the injury and they play it up in the match. And they say it's a target. Triple H even plays up like he's hurt. A back body drop by Triple H onto Jericho, and then a high knee using the bad leg allows Jericho to throw Triple H out of the ring. Jericho then climbs the top rope, but Triple H launches Jericho, uh, throwing him off uh, the barricade. Uh, And then a suplex from the first row into the ringside area. 
Uh, Triple H clears the Spanish announce table, but before they can make it to the table, Jericho attacks the bad leg. They go back into the ring. Jericho keeps attacking the bad leg with kicks and chops and chop blocks. Triple H then goes back quickly with a, with a spear and then works over the right leg of Jericho. A figure four by Hunter. Uh, the 70 comes from behind and digs her nails into his face of Triple H to break up the, the move. Triple H then... Uh, acts, uh, Jericho accidentally then knocks her off the ring and Jericho ends up falling outside too. So Triple H uh, drags Stephanie into the ring to pedigree her. Uh, but before she can hit the pedigree, Chris Jericho climbs to the top rope, hits a missile drop kick. He then wraps a bad leg around the ring post and applies a figure four. I've always liked that move. Oh, the ring post figure four? Yeah. Innovated uh, by Bret Hart. Yes. The one good thing he's ever did in his career. Yes. Earl Hebner threatens Chris Jericho saying, get back in the ring or you're finished. And I'm thinking to myself, Chris Jericho doesn't care. He'll keep the title. Uh, Jericho doesn't take Earl's shit, though, and just kind of mouths him. Fuck off. Triple H finally comes back with a clothesline to take over with punches. He then hits a spine buster for a near fall. The crowd is pretty quiet, not really caring about what's going on. I wonder why. Which is surprising. Oh, they were, oh man, that, that Rock, that Rock Hogan was, was the main event. Yes. They were burnt out. Triple H is thrown outside. Jericho then clears out the English announce table, redoing the events of the night of Triple H's injury. Triple H is in, uh, tries to get put into the walls of Jericho. Uh, Triple H is in back body drop through the Spanish announce table. Jericho and Triple H are then back in the ring. Jericho tries to do the walls of Jericho, but Triple H uh, is able to reverse it. He tries to go for the pedigree, but Jericho blocks it and gets the uh, walls of Jericho in finally. Triple H is almost uh, almost to the ropes, but he's pulled back to the center of the ring. Triple H is in motionless. His arm is raised once, but on the second time, he raises it and keeps it up. Triple H then grabs a chair and kicks it into the face of Triple H. Wait, sorry, if, uh, Chris Jericho grabs a chair. I'm sorry. Kicks it in the face of Triple H while Stephanie distracts Earl Hebner. Stephanie gets in the ring of in, in the face of Triple H. And he grabs her by the hair. And he sets up for a pedigree and hits it on her. Uh, this allows Jericho to crack Triple H across the, fa- uh, across the head with a chair. While Earl Hebner was checking on Stephanie. But Triple H uh, kicks out at two. Jericho tries for a pedigree, but Triple H counters it with a catapult. And then Jericho jump, catches himself on the second rope and jumps off. But Triple H kicks him in the gut, hits the pedigree. Triple H wins the match with the new undisputed champion at 18 minutes, 43 seconds. And Triple, uh, JR says Triple H deserves the win, but the crowd does not seem to care. Nope. I... This is a long-running issue with Triple H being in the main event of WrestleMania. The majority of his matches go on way too long, and by the time we get to him, the crowd is completely dead, and no one cares. True. I was waiting for Stephanie McMahon to turn on Chris Jericho. I was so glad she didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I just... 
by the time even even though I've seen this WrestleMania probably four or five times at this point. By the time I got to this match, I was just like, I was I was done because that yeah. Hulk Hogan match. Yeah, no, really. I, same way. I I, I just kind of like was like, wow, it's the main event, and the crowd doesn't care. They're just having a match. There was no nothing special. I mean, he had the dynamic of. Stephanie and Triple H, but so what? I mean, then the main the Monday before, they were fighting over a dog. Right. It's just oh, it was so bad. So I mean, it, it also felt like there was no possible way that Triple H could have lost this match. Yeah. If you look if you look at the packages before and the way that they've explained it and the way or even if you watch all of the raws that go before this, there's no way that Y2J was going to walk out of this uh match as the champion. He was just portrayed as way too weak mm-hmm. in comparison to Hunter the great champion of manliness. Yeah. Yeah. And and to be honest, this is why uh, this is why Jericho didn't really win the world title again, second run because of the way that he was portrayed here, and it, it sucks. But that's what happened. Oh, and it bugged me too. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, uh, it bugged me too that like, why does Triple H get played out by a band? But the fucking world champion gives jack shit. Right. I, you know, I, I almost wonder, it's like, who's in charge of the entrances for the wrestlers when they do these big shows? Is it the wrestler's job to actually plan out these fancy entrances or is it the company? Because if it's the company, then if the, if somebody has a fancy entrance, we know who they favor, generally speaking. But if it's the wrestler, then, like, I wouldn't want to do a fancy entrance on WrestleMania. I wouldn't want to spend the extra money. <sighs> Excuse me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and there was no pyro at all, too. No. And that might have been a rule or something. I don't know, but... Well, I maybe... Was the dome closed? Maybe it gets too smoky or something. Yeah. If the dome was closed, then they probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, I'm assuming it's probably closed at this time of year up in Canada still. Um, yeah, I, I just felt like Chris Jericho was just kind of walking in there like, hey, I got these belts. He had he had serious lose face on. Yeah. Um, like, he, he didn't look happy to be there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and And here's the other thing that kind of pisses me off about this match. Like, the match itself is, like, technically fine. It's just nobody cared about it, so that's why people remember this one. It's the the technically fine match that nobody cared about. Yeah, no, I but agree. In Chris Jericho's book, he discusses uh, he discusses his pay for uh, this particular uh, match. He said that uh, he opened up his check and he saw that, that his WrestleMania check was six figures, which... You know, if I opened up a 
wrestle if I opened up a check and saw six figures, I'd be like over the moon. Oh well, yeah, no, but, we'd all be happy, but the the money he makes though is different. But he saw but he he was mad because it was much, much less than what he was expecting, and he went to Triple H and he asked him how much he made, and Triple H told him, and Triple H had made three times as much as he as Chris Jericho did for this match. Wow. And so he went to Vince and said, this is bullshit. You're going to give me my money. And Vince immediately just told JR to cut him another check. Yeah, I wonder if Vince was just like, oh, maybe he won't bitch. Maybe he's a bitch. He won't, you know, he won't say nothing. I think that's probably it. Vince was probably testing Jericho, but... What a shitty way to do it, though. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, your your son-in-law is now making seven figures? He made over a million dollars? For for the one match. Yeah. Like, give me and, a break. Yeah, so... Like, your world champion? The, you know, the guy who's supposed to be leading your company? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bullshit. Good on Jericho. All right, are you ready for the star ratings? What did Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, have to say? All right. The opener got two stars. Okay, I can see that. Christian versus DDP got 1.75 stars. Okay. Hardcore Championship got negative half a star. Okay. That's good. Carrot Angle versus Kane got two and a quarter stars. Okay. Thyra Undertaker got three stars. I could see that. Edge versus Bricky T got one point one and a quarter star. Hmm. Oof. 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 Steve Austin versus Scott Hall. If you had a guess. Negative three. Oh, no. One star. Oh. Tag team panel match got two and a quarter. Hogan and Rock got three. Okay. Uh, the women's match got minus one. And Chris Jericho versus Triple H got three stars. So, three stars was the highest on this particular yep. WrestleMania? Yep. There, I, I have to say that there were matches that I didn't like on this card necessarily but if we look at it on at on the whole it's still a fairly quality show it is there was, no, there was nothing that really stood out necessarily except for the rock hogan match but everything else was done at least mostly competently yeah there was nothing egregiously bad Uh, overall, I I liked the pay-per-view. It was good. Um, it was kind of sad to see how far some of the stars had fallen. Uh, the Rock-Hogan match was a nice treat. Um, but this is the first time in a long while that the main event just did not live up to anything. I mean, this show definitely felt like this was rock Hogan show and everything else was just kind of there. 
it almost makes you wonder why they didn't put the Rock Hogan match as the main event. Because even <sighs> the in the only thing package, I could think of, oh no, I agree. Even the package, even the freaking promo art, even in the in the video packages, they were the main event too. The only reason I could think of is this: they don't want to devalue the belt and devalue the world, you know, the undisputed championship by placing it into a match that's not the main event. Hmm. That's the only thing I could think of. But they've done that before. Oh no, I oh. Which they've, they've, put, they've, they've put the title they've had matches where the title was not the main event or manias where the matches weren't the main the the title match wasn't the main event I can That's think true. of Bye. WrestleMania 8 yeah um I think that's the one that was it was the I think that was the one that was uh Flair uh Savage oh for the that's title. right yeah and, and the main event was Hogan Sid that's right um so there, there have been times when they've done that. True. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Overall, I mean, I, I don't know how. I, I don't think I'd ever go back and rewatch it. I mean, it's just one of these shows that it was good. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I, I did have to watch it in like three or four separate chunks. It did kind of feel like a drug a little bit, but it wasn't like a bad, you know, kind of like trying to figure out like, oh, always look at the clock. Well, you know, what I will say is that this is not my personal favorite WrestleMania, but when I was in college, this is the WrestleMania that I watched the most because it was the WrestleMania that my roommates could stand to watch. Hmm. So I would just put on a random wrestling DVD and then just like hang out in the living room if I didn't have classes. Yeah. And they were like, so the ones I had on DVD that I actually remembered to bring to college were, were WrestleManias 18, 23, and 25. And they were like, oh, can you put on the one with Hogan? Okay. They knew they would they they knew Hogan. And so I'm I'm this is one of the ones that I'm like really familiar with because I've watched it so often. Gotcha. And there was to be fair too, there was nothing like embarrassing as a wrestling fan. There was no Rikishi, there was no Kane, Pete, you know, Tombstone Pete Rose, there was no just disgusting acts going on. I think there actually is quite a few things in here that are embarrassing as a fan, but it's only if you listen to the commentary and and those sorts of things. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure people aren't. Sure, if it's just on in the background, maybe not. But if like, like the Billy and Chuck thing, um, some of the things with Hogan, um, the Stacy Keebler dancing thing. Uh, there are several things in here that don't necessarily age super well. Yeah, but I mean, at the time, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, so. I know. Anyway, uh, what would you give this pay-per-view overall? Um, I'm probably going to say that it's probably middle of the road. I'd say it's a five or a six. Yeah, I'd probably call it a five. It's kind of just kind of there. Um, all right. Well, is there uh, anything else you want to discuss before we head off? No, uh, 
not particularly. I'm looking forward to the next episode when we do WrestleMania 19 because WrestleMania 19 is kind of the start of the brand split era and we get to see some major players for the oh, first time. Oh, yes. I cannot wait to watch the Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels match. Uh, no, it's going to be Kurt Angle versus Barack Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, this is going to be good. All we right. We'll get Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. Oh, we get Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. Yeah, we get Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. That's what it was. All right. But yes, we get the debut of Barack Lesnar next time. Hooray, Barack Lesnar. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye.